thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through his word. Thy praise confess, yea, of thy word, yea, my tongue would sing, yea, I confess, yea, I confess, for thy commands are righteousness. Well, greetings this Lord's Day. Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and our reigning King. Isn't God good? The Bible tells us that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that He changes not. He's not affected by circumstance like we are. He doesn't look around and said, oh no, the weather has caught him off guard, or oh, a storm has popped up and messed up his plans, or oh no, the economy has crashed, or a disease has come on the scene, and somehow uh, he doesn't quite know how to react. We do not serve a reacting God. We serve an acting God, amen? A God of power and of majesty and of might and of dominion. The Bible tells us that his name is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why don't you say that with me today? Jesus Christ is Lord. The Bible says that when we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, we do so to the glory of God the Father. And today we lift up the mighty name of Jesus, the incarnate God in flesh, And we do so willingly. One day people will kneel who don't want to kneel. One day people will confess who don't want to confess. But today we do it because he indeed is our Lord and our Savior. And we do it from willing hearts. Amen. Our call to worship today comes from Psalm 99. And it says, the Lord reigns. Everybody say that with me. The Lord reigns. Let the people tremble. He sitteth between the cherubims. And let the earth be moved. The Lord is great in Zion and he is high above all of the people. Let them praise thy great and terrible name for it is holy. Everybody say he is holy. The king's strength also loveth judgment. Thou dost establish equity. Thou executest judgment and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt ye the Lord our God and worship at his footstool for he is holy. Everybody say for he is holy. Moses and Aaron among his priests and Samuel among them that call upon his name. They called upon the Lord and he answered them. He spoke to them in the cloudy pillar. They kept his testimonies and the ordinance that he gave. Thou awakest them, thou answerest them. O Lord our God, thou was a God that forgave them. 
Thou tookest vengeance on their inventions. Exalt the Lord our God and worship Him in His holy hill for the Lord our God is holy. Say that with me. The Lord our God is holy. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning, who of your own will begot us of a lively hope that we should be the first fruits, Lord, of your work in redeeming the world. We pray, dear Lord, that you would come today and you would cleanse us from our sins. Lord, that you would sanctify us and make us more fit for heaven. Lord, that you would make us lovers of your word and despisers of this world. That we would love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For the love of all that is in the world is the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. But the world itself passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God shall abide forever. Lord, help us today to abide forever under the shadow of the Almighty. May we lift up your name above all names. May we find a place of worship before your feet. And may we look up and behold our great and mighty God. May we lift up your name today. And may we be filled with your Holy Spirit, Lord. May we be issuers forth of fountains of living water that go out and heal the nations. In Christ's name we pray and all God's people said... Amen. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Remain standing with me for just a little bit here as I read my text. My text is the entirety of Psalm 93. really hard to title a sermon like this. I, I called it Majestic Holiness, but I think it has to, I think it has to have a different title even than that. Majestic Holiness and Sovereignty. Uh, I, really, I really think in this case there are no words that can convey truly what we are saying. But I'll give it a whirl here today. Psalm 93 short five verse psalm says this the lord reigneth he is clothed in majesty the lord is clothed with strength wherewith he hath girded himself the world also established that it cannot be moved thy throne is established of old and thou art from everlasting the floods have lifted up, oh Lord, the floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. The Lord is mightier than the noise of many waters, yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. The testimonies, thy testimonies are very true, are very sure. Holiness becometh thine house, O Lord, forever. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, as we approach a majestic blast like this psalm, may we hear the echoes of the trumpets in your throne room as the host of heaven lifts up your mighty name. Not because it's ordered to, but because it cannot do anything else in your presence, but praise you. 
Oh, Lord, let that be how we experience the psalm today. In Christ's name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. The braid of the threefold witness of the Holy Scriptures, Isaiah 6, which you have heard, Psalm 93, which you have heard, and Revelation 4. They color a breathtaking masterpiece. They perform a masterful symphony and they whisper a master's story of God's majestic holiness and his sovereignty. Here in this three-part harmony of divine revelation of the throne room of God's majestic power, unbounded dominion and unapproachable holiness, we, like the prophets, find ourselves undone, speechless, and prostrate only as praise radiates forth from our feeble frames. Isaiah tells us that when the prophet saw this unseeable, unthroned, he was high and lifted up with his train filling the temple. Even though we know God needs no temple or throne or even has a corporeal body like our own, for as it is written, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool, what house shall you build for me, and what is the place of my dwelling rest? God still has made himself known in this magnificent vision to Isaiah, and God has made himself known to us. The sunbeams of God's radiance surrounding him in this vision were the six-winged seraphim, Glorious angelic beings of blinding beauty and light, unable themselves, though heavenly beings, to look upon the Holy One without themselves covering their faces with their wings. They were unable and unwilling to silence their praise night and day before Him. Back and forth they echoed constant cacophonous calls of holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is filled with his glory. As the rocks of the earth themselves could not allow themselves to be in the presence of Christ without true utterances of his praise, so these flying worshipers of heaven's splendor offered up this constant song of adoration, one that should issue forth from the soul of every person in here. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. The noise of their cries back and forth to one another were so forceful, it says in Isaiah chapter 6, that it shook the doorposts. It shook the prophet himself, leveling his pride and exposing his sin as he himself cried out in despair over his own depravity. Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Folks, I'm telling you right now that if you were there, nothing short of that would have happened to you. And in this presence right now, it should be happening inside of you. You might be here covered in the weight of your own failures and your sins. You might be here knowing what you did last night, what you did the day before, wondering if you're going to be found out by others. And I'm telling you right now, you've already been found out by God. 
God already knows what you've done. He knows what you will do. He knows what you are enslaved to. He knows the chains were put on you when they were put on you and how they were put on you. And he alone is the key to your own deliverance. And the only way to be delivered from these things is to be delivered from the pride that is yourself that pretends that you are not in sin and confess your sins before a mighty God and say, as he said, I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. How did he know it? For his eyes had seen the King, the Lord of hosts. One of the seraphims flew unto him, having the coals in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar, and he laid it upon his mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. Oh, God can do that for you today. He can do it for me. And he heard the voice of the Lord saying, After this, who shall I send, and who will go for us? And then he said, Here am I. Some of you say, I don't know why God uses me. And I can answer that question. He uses you because God will receive glory by using you. You haven't impressed God. You haven't earned anything. You haven't come from generations of people that have impressed God. You are nothing but flesh. You are like the grass that fades away when the sun comes up in the morning that would be no more. You are like the vapor that disappears from the morning sky when the sun rays touch it. You are nothing at all. But it is God who is great in you. Amen? My prayer today is that Psalm 93 does this to us. It exposes us to who we are and in whose presence we too all stand or fall. I pray it pulls a cry of desperation out of every one of us declaring our need for a Savior to cleanse us from our sins. And after we have been cleansed by the only one who can cleanse us and his call goes forth, we too will say, Here am I, Lord, send me, I will go. For whosoever, it says in Romans 10, 17, it says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It says also in Romans 10, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on them in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in them in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Everybody say, be sent. As the prophet says, here am I, send me. Will you say that today to the Lord? as you become undone in his presence and you realize what a filthy person you would be, lest God would take the very coals of the altar and cleanse your lips. The words that would come out would be nothing but flattery. They would be nothing but pride. They would be nothing but hollowness. But as your lips are touched by a coal from the altar of God, you can bring forth words of life. The Bible says out of your belly, if you believe in Christ, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water for out of the abundance of the heart your mouth will speak. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Don't you want to be beautiful? I do. Don't you want to be part of God saving the world? I do. John the beloved who became John the revelator saw what Isaiah saw, but he saw so much more in his vision recorded in Revelation 4, which you just heard the darkened glass of knowledge of God cleared much more for him and the whole world after the incarnation, the death, and the resurrection. And, but in between here, 
between Isaiah chapter 6 and Revelation 4, we have this psalm, Psalm 93. For we are not given the author of the songs, the psalmist's name here we find, but we know that it was in a time of inspired worship that these words and melody were given to Israel to sing. And when I see Isaiah 6 and I see Psalm 93 and I see Revelation chapter 4, it is hard for me not to see the threefold perfection of God, to see the He which was and He which is and He which is to come. In Isaiah, he talks about Him that was where we hear about the prophet and how he saw the Lord high and lifted up. In the psalmist, it is in the present tense. The Lord reigns right now. And what we see in Revelation are those things which must come to pass. We see it is, a was, and, and is to come. We'll look at Revelation 4 at the end of this, but let's look at what God gave Israel to sing here in Psalm 93. There is no inspired heading or author attributed before Psalm 93. And perhaps it's because God doesn't have an author. He doesn't have a creator. He doesn't have someone who attributes to him his glory and greatness and offers it to him. It emanates from himself. Verse 1 of Psalm 93, it's really short, so don't worry. I don't have to go through, you know, 178 verses like we will one day, just kidding, uh, in Psalm 119. We won't go through all of them in a service, but, but there's only five here, but there's so much here, folks. The Lord reigneth. Everybody say, the Lord reigneth. Everybody say, right now. The Lord reigneth. The Lord reigneth. He is clothed in majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength, wherewith he hath Girded himself. Everybody say, he girded himself. Nobody put this robe on God. Nobody offered him this place. You don't tell God, oh, I'm going to let you be the Lord of my life. Folks, let me tell you right now, he's the Lord of everybody's life. I'm going to give him permission to, to, to rule over me. No, you will not. He has permission. He has ownership of you. You do not give the Holy One of God permission to do anything. He doesn't need it. All power comes from Him. In this first verse of this sort, short five-verse psalm, there are volumes that could be written and so much being said here in this lyric that I almost can't even get past the first few words, the Lord reigneth. Because I'm telling you, it shatters my mind. It shatters my doubts. It shatters my fears. It levels the world. That, that, you know, they, they say it's mind over matter. We look around and we see all these bad things. No, it's not mind over matter. It's the holy of holies over matter. It's the holiness of God over matter. He can look at a raging storm and say, peace be still, and it will be. He can look at a dead person and say, arise, and life will spring forth from them. He is the originator, the source, the creator, the ruler of all things. The Lord reigns. It is not a statement of mere hope. It is an immutable truth. He reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords, Lord of hosts, mighty in battle, right now. Everybody say, right now. 
as God's elect, we know this truth and we gladly acknowledge it to be true. But the wretched sinners we are, we often waver on this very basic truth. If we did not, we would never worry. If we did not, we would never complain. If we did not, we would never wear down or wear out. If we did not, we would never fear or falter. But we all know that we do and we do it often. This truth is a glimpse into the throne room of the majestic holiness and sovereignty of God and wherever we put our faith in this reality we step off of the sand of our own imaginations onto the understanding of the immovable rock that God is great and he is greatly to be praised that Lord the Lord himself reigns and he is clothed in majesty. It is only here we can build a life. It is only here that we can build a church that can withstand any storm. The Lord reigneth, brother Chris. Can you say it with me? The Lord reigneth. Proverbs 16, says, the lot is cast in the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Proverbs 21.1 says the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of the water turns it. He turns the heart of the king wherever he wants to turn it. Amen and thanks be to God. Glory to his name. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Are you, are you with me, Sister Jackie? The Lord reigns, he's clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength where when he hath girded himself. Sometimes I read and I think, oh, is that something I put in there? Something I, you know, he girds himself. Maybe in the Hebrew it means something else. Maybe somehow I just sort of missed the piece. No, 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 no. It says he puts on his own robe. He put it on himself. There was a time when Napoleon was not the emperor of France and, and it was the custom of the Pope of the day to, uh, to go and put the crown on his head. And when, the, and when Napoleon walked up, he, took, he walked up to the Pope. Do you know what he did? And he grabbed, the, he grabbed the, uh, the, the crown right out of the Pope's hand and put it on his own head. Ah, Napoleon Bonaparte. But there's a day when they got Napoleon and they locked him on an island and Napoleon was no more, Right? There was no Pope. There was no person. There was no anyone carrying a crown and, and, and putting it on his head as though he had any right. He made the crown. He put the crown on his head. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords before any else he was. God is dressed in the gorgeous sacerdotal kingly and priestly robes of his own power and he put on these vestments himself. He is not like the heavyweight champion of the world belted after a victory bout as the crowd cheers him on and jeers the vanquished. No, it is not like that at all. He is and was and will be the greatest of all time outside of time when time will be no more. He is not a competitor of kings. He is king of kings. He is not vying for power. He has girded himself with majesty and strength which he himself has created. Clinical psychologist and famous YouTube personality, Dr. Jordan Peterson, recently discovered something. I thought it was funny. This man who people look to for great wisdom, he, he is talking, he's being interviewed by a guy named Joe Rogan, and he goes, you know, I, I learned something last week. I went to visit the, the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C., and I learned something this week. He said, what did you learn? He said, well, I learned that it was Christians that invented the book. Now, not the book as in the Bible, just the book itself. And the first book was the Bible. And he says, and all of the books that ever came after that book were built on the Bible. 
And he goes, this is not merely true. This is undeniable. This is a fact. He goes, and so what this means is that the Bible is fundamental to all literature, to all culture, to all of Western civilization. In fact, Jordan Peterson, the man who doesn't even claim to understand or know God, he goes, it is undeniable that the Bible is not only true. This is what was amazing. He said, he said, it's truer than true. In fact, it is the source of all truth itself. And Jordan Peterson is a little bit freaked out. And uh, Brother Doug Wilson is reviewing this and he stopped the interview at that point and he goes, amen. And as he said amen, he said, I, I guarantee you, Doug Wilson was thinking to himself, I wish I had said that myself. That may be one of the most brilliant observations in the history of Western civilization. God's word is not just true, it's truer than true. It is the source of all truth and from where all truth comes. So I'll borrow from Jordan Peterson and talk about the power of God. He's not merely just power. He's more power than power. He is the source of all power and from which all power flows. Amen? Verse 2 confirms and amplifies this truth. Thy throne is established of old thou art from everlasting. Sister Joy's working on a history project. How many of you like history? One of the things you do in history, one of the first things you, what do you say? Well, when did they live? When did they reign? When did they become king? And God lets you know, uh, go, you can go to Wikipedia and find the date, Sister Benita, when God, you can find the date. He's from everlasting. Before there was anything, he was. That's the date. And you, we even know when it's going to end, Sister Joy. Eternity. It ain't going to end. It didn't have a beginning. It doesn't have an end. And in the middle, it's all going on right now. Save Wikipedia a little research. You won't even need a footnote to confirm the validity of it. Thy throne is established of old, thou art from everlasting. His throne of his dominion has been set from before there was anything else. As John said in John 1 3, all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. That's even better than Jordan Peterson, don't you think? As the creator and originator of all things, the first order he set was his own sovereignty over all things. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Romans 13, 1. You might go, I don't like this power, I don't like this authority, I don't like this government, I don't like this family, I don't like this thing, I don't like this church, I don't like, I don't like the, and God would say, you know, all the power that's there was given to, it was instituted by me. As men who were once entrusted with the authority of the world, but we squandered it for a bowl of beans, we don't like this truth at all. This is where we become God-haters in the core of our sinful old man in the flesh. We still feel like that we are masters of the universe, masters of our own destiny, but we are not. 
We gave the world away when we were tricked in our own pride. Jesus has taken it back from the subtle serpent, but he's still here in this garden. The enemy of our souls who tricked our first parents, Adam and Eve, is still in the business of trying to trick us out of what God has said is true. And I'll tell you something that God says is true that you should not be tricked out of ever. And everybody, you can say it with me. The Lord reigneth. And, and some might say, is it true? Does he really reign? I looked over and I saw this and it did not appear like I think it should be. This has not happened the way that I believe it should be. And the devil might say, you know, God, really, he probably didn't do that. This is probably not part of his plan. You can go ahead and complain about it. The devil's a liar, folks. The Lord reigns. Don't fall for the lies of the devil. Look up and behold your God and see him on the throne. Join the angels crying, holy, holy, holy to the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. It may look like what God says is not true, but faith believes God and denies the lies the devil places before us. Verse 3 reminds us of the loudness of our enemies. Aren't they loud? And you know, I think they're loud because we have amplifiers in our head. Because we, there's a wretched man that lives right here. A God-hater right here. That's what God's saving me from. If you think that's not true, just remember Paul's words. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who said that but a man who had seen the Lord, who had been translated up into the heavens and saw the Lord. How else could he come back down to this earth without seeing himself as the wretch that he is? And people that work with God, people that talk to God, people that are led by God, people who God uses, those people, if they really belong to God, they don't come away going, oh, look at me. They come away going, oh, look at me. I'm a wretch. I'm undone. Oh, save me from this sinful flesh. And you know what God is doing, Jason? He's doing just that. Through every blow, through every burst of fire, through every bone-crushing blow that God deals out on our flesh, on our pride of life, on our uh, whatever it is that exalts itself above the mind of Christ in our life, God says, no, I'm going to crush it. I'm going to break it. I'm going to destroy it because no flesh shall glory in my presence, not even yours, Mark Robinette, not even yours, Sister Joy. It doesn't matter that you've lived a pretty good life recently. You don't understand our righteousness is filthy rags before the Lord. He is not impressed by our good behavior. He is not depressed by our bad behavior either. He knows what you will do. He knows what you have done and he loves you just the same. Verse 3 reminds us of the loudness of our enemies as they try to frighten us. Look at them, they say. We're scary. You should be afraid of us. Psalm 93 points us from them to something much more terrifying. Verse 3, the floods have lifted up, O Lord, the floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. In the scripture, you will see time and time again, the enemies of God are described as a flood, right? When the enemy comes in like a 
flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against it, right? Isaiah 8, 7, many other passages refer to the enemies of God as floods and rivers that come in a flash of destruction on the land. The enemies of God do rage against him, but their raging is pointless and powerless. When you're hearing their loud crashing waves, their thunderous uh, collapse against the rocks of the water, those great loud sounds that come from them, you can real quietly, Brother Jonathan, turn your Bible to Psalm chapter 2 and say, why do the heathen rage? You don't have to yell. You don't have to scream. You don't have to be like the prophets of Baal, jumping up and down, cutting themselves. You can say, why do the people imagine a vain thing? They think they can build a tower to God. They think they can reach up, Brother Tim, in the heavenlies and grab a hold of God and pull him down. They think that they can resist his will. The kings of the earth set themselves. The rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. They get together. Look at all of us. We're gathered together. We're important. We've got robes on too. Someone put a crown on my head and, and look at me. Look what we've got. Look at my, look, I run a whole country. Look at me. But they need to be reminded that somebody put that crown on their head and there was one who didn't get a crown put on his head who actually put the crown on their head. You see, God raises up our enemies to chastise us, to punish us, to drive us to him. And when they're done doing to us what needs to be done, he's going to crush them too. Oh, folks, that's some good news. The kings of the earth set themselves, the rulers take counsel together, saying of the anointed, let us break their bands asunder, let us cast away their cords from us. And what will he in the heaven do? He that sits in the heavens shall laugh. He shall have them in derision. They will be like those uh, men. Remember in the day of Gideon? Right? That's what this is a picture of, in derision. You see, there were 30,000 men, and God whittled them down to 10,000, and then God whittled it down all the way to 300. And this great, vast host of hundreds of thousands of these enemy soldiers, the Amalekites were there and they were going to fight Gideon and the children of Israel and God said, there's just too many people. I don't need 30,000. I don't need 10,300. We'll get the job done because what I'm going to do is I'm going to put them in derision. Well, what should we do? What should we do? Do we need machine guns, 50 calibers, Huey Cobras, daisy cutters? No, here's what you need. You need a little bit of light and you need a little pitcher. And you're going to go and you're going to go at night and you're going to put your light in a pitcher and we're going to break the pitcher. And when they see the light, they're all going to get so scared they're going to kill themselves. That's the picture of the world. He has them in derision. We are those that let our light so shine. You see, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God. I mean, what better than whipping your enemy is, is when God whips your enemy, right? He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. He shall have them in derision. Then shall I speak to them in their wrath, vex them in their displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill. Now we get back to it. The holy hill of God. 
and the king enthroned upon it who reigns right now, who is adorned in holiness. I will declare the degree the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with the rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O you kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. You know, that, that can be, that can be uh, some great counsel for your flesh. Jonathan, your flesh starts lying to you. Go, be, be advised. Be wise, uh, old man Jonathan. The one that tries to rage against God. The one that tries to say that God's word isn't true. Be wise now, therefore, O you kings, be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry with you and perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. As David said in Psalm 27, when my enemies came upon me, what did they do? They stumbled and fell. When the enemies rose like the tide to overtake them, God overtook them. Isaiah 59, 19, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against them. Because verse 4 puts us right back on track where we need to be and says the Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters. Yea, the mighty waves of the sea. And what I love about it is he doesn't even say that they're waters. He just says the noise of them. Because that's really, Ashley, do you know that's all the devil's got? He doesn't even have a flood. He just has the noise of one. 1 Peter 5, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world, but the God of all grace who hath called you unto eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after you have suffered a while, he will make you perfect. He will establish you. He will strengthen you. He will settle you. And to him be glory and dominion forever. Do you know you could even give thanks for the devil himself? Well, I don't know about that. Really? Remember the Apostle Paul saying he prayed that he would be delivered from a messenger from Satan sent above at him. And he prayed, oh God, take it away. Lord, heal me. Lord, fix me. And what did God say? Three times. Nope. Nope. Finally, he let him know, do you know my grace is sufficient for thee? He then began to understand that God had sent this powerful, harmful, debilitating, difficult, disgusting devil to his house for him. God loved Paul so much he sent the devil to his house to buffet him. Do you know I believe God loves me that much. I believe he loves you that much and I believe we can even give thanks when we get kicked in the teeth by the devil. Because God's going to take him, the angel of the Lord, the Bible says he's going to get him in one hand. He's going to wrap him up in a chain and throw him in a bottomless pit. God is not helpless. He's not waiting on a strategy to take over the power of the devil. The devil is a power that he wields at his own hand. Verse 5 says, thy testimonies are very sure and holiness becomes the house, O Lord, 
forever. If I started to try to preach about the holiness of God, I'd be here all day long. He mentions at the beginning here, the testimonies are very sure. He's saying not only is it a fact from everlasting that his throne was established, but that he established his rule in the stories of the faithfulness of God and how he treated the children of Israel. Here they were not a people and he made them a people of God. Here they were people that were powerless and had nothing and God gave them power. God gave them wealth. God gave them a nation. God gave them deliverance from Egypt. God showed through his special providences in their life that God loves us. And he's not a God who reigns in the sense that he's up there sitting. He's a God who reigns as in he is right in the, in, in the battle with us. He is the captain of the host. He is marching out against our enemies with us. He is there answering our prayers as we offer them to him. He is there listening for our call because he said, yes, if you call, I will, I will answer. The testimonies of the Lord are very sure. I started writing down the story of Foundation House. I said, you know what? So many good things happen. We don't even, we don't even remember them. I literally got worn out. I, I was on three pages of God's miraculous, exciting provision over what God has been doing and how he made it come to pass. Benita, I'm tired. My fingers are tired. I'm, I'm writing two pages and three pages and four pages. And I'm like, dear Lord, Lord. <sighs> Couldn't have you just done it real quick and easy and you know, hard, easy to remember? No, 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 no. No, I'm going to daily load you with blessings. I'm going to pour out upon you blessings that you can't contain. I'm going to bring them to you in ways you're going to be like those disciples that are trying to pull the fish out of the, 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 the Sea of Galilee and your nets are breaking and they're rolling off the sides of your boat and they're not all making it in. Ah! You won't even remember this thing and that thing. Oh, and then I go, oh, well, yeah, there was that one more thing. And oh, I forgot about that. And, and I'm like, because I thought, you know what we're going to do? We're going to make a little book. Have you guys ever stayed at a house and they have a little book in there and they tell you about the people that stay there? They tell you about the house. You know, we've done this at Airbnb. They'll say, oh, we, we got this house 10 years ago. And you know, and they tell you a little bit about their family and we rent this out to people and we want it to be a safe, happy place or whatever they do. And, you know, we put seashells on the wall because we love seashells and the whole thing, right? And then people write a note. We're, we stayed, we were from Peoria and we stayed here and it was our anniversary and it was a blessed time, you know, kind of a thing. And I'm like, you know what? The testimonies of God are sure. And I begin to think about how we met Lex and Tina and all of their lovely family. I'm like, I need to write this down. This is too much. I need to write down how we met the Zimmermans and how they were willing to put their, their little loaves and fishes and say, well, you know, we'd have to pay rent somewhere. Maybe this can go to help fix this place up. And, and, and they throw their little loaves and fishes in. Do you, think, do you think on the loaves and fishes you threw in, Brother Jesse, we could have fixed that building up? We found out we couldn't have even rented the trailers and, 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 you know, gotten half the tools. But you see, that's what God does. 
God takes what we have to offer. I remember, I remember going, okay, you know, let's go and let's buy this hot water tank and let's buy this and that and, and let's get some electrical wire and, and then nobody wants to do it. And, and then I'm thinking we're going to freeze to death, but me and Jeff are going to do it and we're going to go over there and we're going to put it in. We're going to try to help these people. And I remember talking plumber after plumber like, uh, you need a general contractor is what you need. And I'm thinking, well, what losers? These guys, well, they're, they're sissies. I mean, come on, if they really were hard workers, they'd just, they'd do this job, you know, and I couldn't find anyone who would do it. The joke would have been on them, right? <laughs> this wasn't a weekend project. A massive, massive undertaking. And you know how God decided to give it to us? He decided to give it to us through total strangers that lived three time zones away who we never met, we never talked to. And now we know them. We don't just have Foundation House. We have them too. And you got us. If you're still there. That's what God does. It reminded me of, of my own faithlessness when I went to Myanmar for the first, well, for the second time. The first time it was, I didn't even know what I was doing. But the second time I'm going, and as I begin to add up all the money, it's in my book. I'm like, Lord, it's going to cost $10,000 just to get there with the people I'm bringing. This is terrible. Lord, I just want to send the money. And Pastor Ning says, you keep the money. I want you. And now I don't just have somewhere I gave some money to. I have a brother in Christ. You see, God gives to us like this. He prays for me. He heard that we were going through trouble. I come. I come. I go into India and I come. I come to you, brother. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yes, I must come be with you, brother. To have a brother like that, so above riches, so above price. Amen? Thy testimonies are very sure. You see, the stories of God are the stories of God's faithfulness to his people. God has been faithful to you, to me, to this church over and over again. And I don't know any other way really of dealing with this last statement here other than just reading for you from Revelation chapter 4 where uh, Jesus just, you know, God gave John, he just pulled the, 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 pulled the sheet off of the whole thing and revealed it out for John to see what Isaiah couldn't see. Holiness becomes thy house. What in the world is holiness? It's a word that just, it's exclusive. God is not like us. But the Bible says he will make us, Jason, like him. Holiness adorns God's house. The unapproachable perfection of majestic holiness and sovereignty. Revelation 4, and as I look, behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet talking with me. <laughs> Who knows what that was like? It, well, it wasn't like a voice. It was like a trumpet. <laughs> and said, come up, and I will show you things that must come hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, there was a throne set in heaven, just like in Isaiah just like in Psalm 93. And there was one that sat on the throne. Everybody say there's one. It's 
some imagine three thrones because they don't understand God. One throne. And there's one seated on the throne. He that sat was to look on like jasper and sardine stone, and there was a rainbow around about the throne in the sight like unto an emerald. Really, Christina? Jasper, rainbows, emeralds. What in tarnation could it have been like? I don't know. But it was certainly majestic holiness. Amen? It was certainly overwhelmingly beautiful. Round about the throne there were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw the four and twenty elders. You see, the testimony of God not only contains the twelve tribes of Israel and what God did through the children of Israel, but that's why Jesus had his disciples, his twelve disciples. They represent the body and the beginning of the church and the 24 elders represent the total work of God from the old and the new and the now. Because God took those people and we are those people. There are people. You can go to Ancestry.com and, and go get your Scottish tartar or go get your, you know, your, your German, uh, you know, whatever it is. We're put on some lederhosen and have a big old German party if you want to. Or what are you guys? Are you guys German? Oh, we got Germans everywhere around here. Yeah. Germany wasn't even a country, I don't think, until the 1800s officially, right? We have us. We are citizens of an ancient people, Sister Jackie. These 24 elders clothed in white raiment. We know. We know that it was put on them. Amen. The Bible says He's going to put a robe on us. And they laid, they had, they had crowns laid on their head. They didn't have authority and power of their own. The one who with all power put the crowns on their head. And out of the throne proceeds lightnings and thunders. And, and this, this goes right back to the psalm. He said, yeah, our enemies, they got loud clapping waves. Yeah, they got loud flooding noise, but God's louder than them. Yeah, they're loud, but God's louder. Thunders and lightning proceed out of the throne and voices and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne which are the seven spirits of God. Isaiah didn't see the, those things. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. Isaiah didn't see that either. He didn't, he didn't understand all of these things. He didn't see it. He didn't mention it. But John was looking at it. Oh, what's it going to be like? Four beasts full of eyes before and behind. The first beast was like a lion. The second, a calf. The third, a face of a man. The fourth beast, like a flying eagle. Who knows what in the world this is? But we find out these six beasts have six wings. So they're, the, the four beasts had six wings. They were full of eyes within. And what were they saying? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty which is, which was, and which is to come. Something makes me think that they could be seen in a way that Isaiah could not see them. He just says they were six-winged seraphs. Two wings covered their feet. Two covered their face. With the other two, they did fly, and they spoke. Here, it doesn't even tell us how many there were in Isaiah chapter 6, but here it says there were four full of eyes within and without crying holy 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 lord god almighty which is which was and which is to come 
And when the beast gave glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who lives forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fell down before him that sat on the throne and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever, and they cast their crowns before the throne. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Why is he worthy? Because he has created all things, and for his pleasure they were created. That kind of, Liz, doesn't that kind of put it all in perspective? Thou have created all things, and for thy pleasure it was created. Wow. That's majestic holiness. And I'm undone. Something in my heart cries, as the prophet did, save me, Lord, cleanse me. But it also cries, send me. You see, we know the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We know the answer. The world is filled with darkness and, 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 and sin and death and disease and difficulty. But we know the one who is arranging all things according to the counsel of his own will. And that he is not... There's nothing lucky going on or arbitrary going on. It is a plan by the master. It is a story that he is writing about himself and he is revealing his glory to us all. It makes me want to say, Jason, here I am, Lord, send me. How many of you want to say that today? Here I am, Lord. This is who I am. You know what I am, Lord, but, but send me. Why? Because I'm great? No, because you're great. The whole earth is filled with his glory. I'm going to read Psalm 93 one more time and we're going to pray. The Lord reigns. He is clothed in majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength wherewith he hath girded himself. The world also is established that it cannot be moved. I have to stop here. They keep talking about the world's going to be destroyed and man's going to blow himself up. And he, No, he's not. Cut all the trees down. Launch all your nuclear weapons, and I can tell you right now, God says right here, the word, the world cannot be moved. He's firmly established it. They say, oh, you don't understand the power of man. Yeah, I understand there's a power, and man is not the power I'm that concerned with. Thy throne is established of old, thou art from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters. Yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. The testimonies are very sure, and holiness becomes thy house, O Lord, forever. Let us pray. Lord God, thank you for a glimpse into your majestic holiness and sovereignty, O God. Lord, we can barely touch it. We pray today, Lord, as we find ourselves undone before you that the response of our heart will be here I am Lord send me Lord send us send us to this city send us to people around the world send us to whomever will whosoever will send us to them let us be a part of bringing them into the fold of the extending of your kingdom oh Lord let that be our legacy Lord in Christ's name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen.
Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you. Oh,